Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace. Today we are just going to be looking at the Word of God in line with what, we are, what today's service is about. Just worshipping Him and enjoying His presence and enjoying God and enjoying Christ for who He is to us. Not, not for anything else, just to enjoy that love affair with him to enjoy that relationship that we have been privileged to come into as sons of God as children of God as the bride of Christ as as whatever you, you, you'd call it this relationship that we have with him it's, it's an amazing experience, it's an amazing relationship um I always ask people when I meet Christians for the when I'm trying to have a conversation with Christians I ask one question I always ask is why do you believe I want you to ask your neighbor why do you believe why are you here request an answer <laughs> just a quick one just a thought, why do you believe? I want us to take a moment to ask ourselves that question again. It's always good to ask again and again and again. We know, I know you believe, yes, but it's always good to know why, right? Because if you don't ask yourself why, life will actually ask you why someday. So, and if by the time Life asks you why. If you don't know the answer, it might be too late. Okay? So, it's always good to ask ourselves why. Why do I believe? And you would see that there are many reasons why people believe. The, somebody that I spoke with, one of my colleagues that I spoke with, I think on Friday, that I asked, why do you believe? She said, well... Um, the Christian work, it seems like, Christianity seems like the most, from when she thought about all the options, that Christianity seems the most reasonable <laughs> in terms of the way of life, that, that the way of life in Christian work seems the most reasonable. So that's why she, she believes. And then, so, that's why she, I mean, she's a Christian. And... I mean, I, I also meet people, a lot of people have different reasons. Some of us could be, yes, we were, church came with our last name. <laughs> so we were born into church. So our parents brought us to church and we just believe. I mean, because that's all we saw or that's all we saw growing up. Some of us had a dramatic encounter with God, maybe you are going in one direction and like Paul, Jesus Christ appeared to you <laughs> and said, stop there and snatched you away. <laughs> Amen. Now, some of us, it could be that we just met God in simple way, nothing dramatic. Maybe someone shared the gospel with us simply and we just believed. The Lord opened our eyes to see. But in all these many reasons, there should 
be just one main reason that anybody should believe. And what is that? That we have seen him. That you have seen the Lord. <clears throat> if you have not seen the Lord, if you have not seen Jesus, there is nothing your belief is hanging on to. There is nothing your belief is really about. The reason why we believe is because we have seen the Lord. We have not just seen Christ. We have seen him that he is the son of God. That he is God on the earth. That he is the fullness of God. We have seen it. And we know our eyes have been opened to see that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is God himself. So every other reason why we believe is secondary. is only a, an offshoot. Because if this in, in itself is not seated in our hearts, if, it's, if we can't see him clearly, if, it's, if, if, if the reality of him is not tangible to us, then our faith is, is I'm looking for the right word. Our faith is, our faith will not be grounded, will not be established in the faith. Amen? Life will ask you questions. Different things will happen that will make you question why you believe. Why do I really, why am I here? Why am I doing this? But if you have seen him and you know him, he will keep you through anything. Amen? So, our Christian work is about him, about knowing him, about that relationship with him, about the person of Christ. Every other thing that we do we, um, is, is only an offshoot of that. And we must not lose sight of this truth. We must not lose sight of this. Um, just the scripture that... Um, Pastor Victor just mentioned, John chapter 14. Let's just look at it and begin to see these thoughts. And you know, when you talk about love relationship with Christ, there's, there's one disciple that you can't miss. <laughs> and that's John, right? In all the, in the, all the writings in the Bible, John is the one that expresses this love relationship with God the most. Every other... Paul is about the mission. Paul is about the purpose of his coming and saving the, the saving work of Christ. And the, but John, he, you see, he was the one that was just there. He was just enjoying fellowship with God, fellowship with Christ. He, he says he calls himself the one Jesus loved. So that love relationship is what we're going to be talking about today how we can just, as believers, not lose sight of the fact that we are in a love relationship with God, that we ought to enjoy God. We ought to enjoy being believers. It's not, a, it's not just about the work. It's not just about the things God can do. It's not just about the great and mighty things that we want to achieve in life or the, our ambitions or 
the workings of miracles or the manifestations of the spirit that we want to see happen in our lives and in our generation. But every now and then, we should understand that we are in the love work and that we are growing in our relationship with him just because of him. Amen? John chapter 14, um, verse, verse 1. So I'm just going to be very um, calm, slow today. We're just going to read through a couple of scriptures and let us open our hearts to just know him and see him. So it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So if you see this, before Christ came, there was God. So many, I mean, so many people, the Israelites, everybody, everybody believes there is a God, right? So, but man, we being man, man, for us to, we are, we are human beings, we are, not, we are nature, so we need to be able to feel this God. So that's why men will go and build idol sculptures and Use it as an identification of God. So he says, you believe in God. He now says what? Believe in me also. Next verse. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Next verse. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. And where I go... You know, and the way you know. <laughs> so he's telling them where I'm going. You know where I'm going, and you know the way. But they don't even know where he's going. St. Thomas, let's, let's continue. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Okay, next. Jesus said to him, What? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Seven. If you had known me, you would have known what my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Eight. Philip said to him, he still didn't get it. <laughs> Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. <laughs> so there is always that yearning for us to substantiate this God that we are believing in, to feel, to see something, to hold on to. Some of us to hold on to us, okay, this is God, because God seems so mysterious. Okay? Philip said, Lord, even Philip, was the disciples, they were still in that place, right? Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. They wanted to see him, right? Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us 
Father. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So the first thing here that we see is that, I mean, which we always continue to say and see that Christ says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Christ to us is the substance of God. So once we have seen him, we have seen God. Once we have known him, we know God. So there is no difference between Christ and God. Because to us, Christ is God. So when we say we are in a love relationship with God, when we say we know God, when we say we believe, what do we believe? We believe because we believe in him. He says, if you believe in God... Believe in me also. So, believing in Christ is as good as believing in God. So, when we see that, we, we must have this understanding that that is what separates us from every other person. As a believer, when you go out there, you must know that we are not serving the same God as any other person. Even our so-called half-brothers. We're not serving the same God. Why? The only bone of contention is Christ Jesus. That's the only bone of contention if you go out there. And we must know this, first of all. The bone of contention is Christ. So, because Christ, like we know, is, they don't, they don't, nobody else believes that Christ is God. Nobody else believes that Christ is the full expression of God. But he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Which means, if I have any other substance of God, even if it's in my imagination, that substance of God is not God. If I have any other means, or any other way, any other thoughts, any other idea that describes God or that paints a picture of God that is not Jesus, then it's not God. It's an idol. That is what idol worship is. So when we paint pictures in our minds, when we think about God, when we talk to people about God as believers, we cannot be vague <laughs> about God. We cannot say, we cannot be vague, we cannot stop and, uh, in talking about God as just talking about God. Because right now, the God that we talk about is Christ Jesus. So, when you're talking to people about God, don't stop and say, you believe in God. Because there are so many ideas of God. There's so many ideas about God. The God that we know today, the God that we talk about today, is what? Christ Jesus. If you see um, in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter um, 8, one second. 
In Acts chapter 9, sorry, verse 27. This is when Pete, Paul started preaching the gospel. Paul was an ardent Jew. He was a Jew to the core. All right? We know the story. Now, he believed in God. <laughs> Paul believed in God. He believed so strongly that what he was doing, he was doing for God. But see here. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had what? Seen the Lord on the road. And I began to ask, who was he serving before? So, he has seen the Lord on the road and had spoken to him. And how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So, before then, he had not seen the Lord. (laughs) Until Christ was what? Revealed to him. Then he could say, I have seen the Lord. So, it's at the revelation of Christ that we can say we have seen God. Because the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. Even Christ said that no man has seen God at any time. But what? We have seen him. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we what? Beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. So that's the first thing we must always know in, our, in this um, relationship, in this love relationship. We need to enjoy knowing him. We need to enjoy being, just being with him. Just imagine in your family. You know, that's something that I, I realized. A lot of relationships we have here kind of replicate or it helps us understand the relationships we have with God. So we have the father-son relationship. We have the bride, uh, husband and wife relationship. We have the brother-sister relationship. All of these relationships are replicated in our relationship with God, if we see. So, um, just imagine, how is your relationship with your spouse, for those of us that are married? Because that is the one that we can understand, okay? That is tangible to us. Why do you, at what point, is, when is the highest point of intimacy that you have with your spouse. The highest point of intimacy is when you are, there is no agenda. Entirely no agenda. You are just there with the person, vulnerable, everything about you is open. You just want to be with that person and enjoy the fullness of who that person is and hear everything about that person, spirit, soul, and body, fullness. You just want to be, just for being with that person. There is entirely no agenda. You're not thinking about anything. You're not thinking about what we have to do. You're not thinking about, you just want to be with that person. Because being with that person satisfies your soul, gives you fullness, 
gives you joy unspeakable. You, are, you, are, you find the fullness of yourself. You find yourself like you feel complete, like there is nothing else in this world that matters at that point. That is, <laughs> that is the same experience that we have with him. When we come to him, we want to come to him fully, want to come to him vulnerable, naked before him. We want to be filled with him such that nothing else matters, just to be with him and enjoy his presence and enjoy the fact that we are with him. And you see that that is exactly this relationship Christ had with the Father. In this scripture we are reading, if you go back to um, John chapter 14, let's go to verse 9. Okay, um, okay, sorry. Go down to... Let's do John chapter 17, and then we'll see how the Lord is with God. Okay? From verse 20. This is Christ's prayer for us as believers before he was departing. He says... I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, I in me, and what I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, as we are one. So, the Bible says that Christ and the Father are one. How can you be, can we think of, can you, can you actually imagine the reality of being one with one, somebody else? <laughs> What does it really mean to say that both of us are one? That it means my thoughts and your thoughts, there is no difference. It means that everything about when you see me, you have seen him. When you see him, you have seen me. If both of us are one. It means everywhere I'm going, you are going with me. <laughs> okay, so that oneness is something we need to think about deeply and understand and begin to press into the reality. What does it really mean? We say, when it says, I and the Father are one, and the way he and the Father is, he's praying that we are one with him. As he is one with God. So, it means that right now we are one with him. Alright? Says he who we have, we have joined, we have been joined as one spirit with him. He will believe we are now one spirit with him. Do you feel like you are one with Christ? <laughs> when you live, I mean, we feel that way 
mostly when we are in church, but when you live here, <laughs> on Monday morning, do you feel one with him? Is it in your consciousness that you are actually one with Christ? There is no difference between you and Christ. That you are in him and he is in you fully. Do we have that understanding? Does it resonate in our mind that we are actually one with him? That is the essence of fellowship. That is what we as believers, that is what will help us enjoy being believers. The more this becomes a reality to us, we would enjoy being a believer. Nobody would... You know, sometimes it feels like um, being a Christian is, you know, the way you have your work. Sometimes it feels like being a Christian is another work. (laughs) So the way, um, or being in school, the way your boss will, will do everything in his power to ensure that you're doing what you're supposed to do, that's the same way we've seen. I mean, it's like that in church. We're in church and it feels like church is another work that we have to do. So I have to be cajoled or be inspired or something to just do church. But it's unfortunate. I mean, you see, that's what church has turned to mostly today. You go, church has become another Business <laughs> or church has become another set of activity, another career path, if you call it, in our lives. So we come, we're applying our day, we're applying our lives, we have our plan for work, our plan for family, our plan for church. Church has become activity driven. Even coming to service has become activity driven. So we have the itinerary. Do this, do this, do this. We must close by in two hours. We must be done. Like, like now, time is already up. So some of us are already thinking, what next? So, um, but our work with God is way beyond that. We cannot, we should not let these activities and this church that we do help take our eyes off the essence of this love work we have with him, of this relationship we have with him. Because do you, when you are in love with your spouse, or when you are in your family, when you're part of a family, maybe your parents, especially when we are still, when we are growing up, we have a bond with your sisters, your brothers. Going to them, going home was what you looked forward to. And when you're at home, you don't want to leave. <laughs> when you're going to school, that is, oh, school again, we have to go to school. You're not, be, you're, you don't want to leave because it is, you find the fullness of who you are when you're at home. You find satisfaction when you're at home with, your, with the people that you love. Now, our love work with God should be the same, or even, no, not even should be the same, should far outweigh every other relationship we have here. 
when I'm with God, when I'm conscious of Him, I want to always be with Him. I want to always connect with Him. You don't have to push me because I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't force someone in love to be in love. <laughs> you don't. It's, it just flows and it flows up to the point that it's even overwhelming sometimes. Where you cannot even control yourself anymore. Where you just want to be there. You just want to see. You're going through um, you're going through maybe you're having a bad day you just, all you're thinking about is I just want to escape this and be with the person I love that is it because when you're, with that, when you're with him you're full you're restored you are complete so that we, we must everyone, to see how important how powerful this love work is a whole book in the Bible is dedicated to expressing the love relationship between Christ and the church. Let's look at one. Songs of Songs. Songs of Solomon chapter 4. Let's read one passage of scripture for us to see what this feels like. Chapter 4 verse Let's read from verse 9. You have ravished my heart. (laughs) My sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes. With one link of your necklace. How fair is your love, my sister, my spouse. How much better than wine is your love. And the scent of your perfumes than all spices. Your lips, O oh my spouse, drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. And the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up. A fountain sealed. Your plants are on an orchard of pomegranates. Up with pleasant fruits, fragrant, henna like spikenard. Okay, it's becoming. So we see this, of course, we know that this is a representation, an expression of the love of Christ and the church. Our physical experiences help us to understand who God is. The stories and the what happened in the Old Testament, of course, we know is a type, is a shadow of our experience now in the New. So we must dwell on this and understand the significance of it. Where we begin to point all these experiences, when you're relating with your sister, your brother, when you understand that love between your biological brother and sister, that's what they say, blood is thicker than water. How that. So you know that nothing can make you, once you, have, once you see your brother, you can do anything to help your brother, because he's your brother, because he's your sister. 
That is the same relationship we have with one another here. Because we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. We must understand that every relationship we have here on earth points us to the relationship between Christ and the church. And this, our Christian work, is a work of relationships. We must know that. Let's not get carried away by, by the activities or by the pressures of purpose. I know we just missed a sweet on purpose. We're now thinking this is what we must do. We are, this is what we must do to accomplish that which God has called us to do. The manifestations of the Spirit. All this is great. It is essential. But in pressing on to that purpose, in pressing on to the work, we must not forget that Christ is our bride. So we are the bride of Christ, sorry. And that He's our Father. And that we are brothers. He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. That He's your friend. We must not forget all of that. And he, when he was going, we know that what would, we can't speak about this relationship without speaking about the person that would help us in this relationship. Who, who is who? The Holy Spirit. He's the one that would oil and inspire and teach us and guide us into this relationship on a daily basis. We cannot lose sight of it. If you see, even in this same um, scripture that we just read, 14, if you go further down, you would see, where did we stop? From verse 23. John, John chapter 14. Verse 23. Let's just continue from there. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and will come to him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So even the scripture says that no one Aside from where we started, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So for you to say first, for you to know first that, remember how we started, that Jesus is Lord? It must be by the Spirit. Nothing else. So that is a test as to the Spirit of God. First John said it. First John chapter 4 it says, how do you test spirits? Simple. Any spirit that does not agree that Jesus Christ is Lord is what? The Antichrist. As simple as that. So, 
That even buttresses what we started with, that we cannot overemphasize the fact that what makes us God is Jesus Christ. We can't talk about God without talking about what? Christ Jesus. Because it's by the Spirit that we know that Christ Jesus is Lord. So now it says, I will, I would go and the helper will come and he will teach you all things and bring into remembrance all things. So his absence in the flesh is the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. So his presence, his presence with us is the presence of the Spirit. See here? And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. We must be wary of this because of the times we are in. Okay? We must guard our hearts. Amen? Now, you even see in Songs of Solomon, it says, his banner over me was what? Love. What does it mean when he says his banner over you is love? What does, the, what does it mean when the scripture says his banner over you? What is the banner? Covering. In the, we are talking about the, we've been talking about the armor of God, the warfare. When they are going, if you watch most of these war, ancient war movies, when they are marching forward, there is always a banner, which is a symbol of territory. And once they raise their banner, you know that the army is coming. And if you see the banner, you know this is the army of whosoever. And when they build their walls, they always put up, once it's time for battle, they put up the banners across the walls. So banner signifies territory. So his, his territory over you is what? His protection over you is, is love. How does his love protect you? Protects you in two ways. <laughs> to the enemy, that love is fire. That same love to you is peace and protection, is warmth. And when your heart is taken by someone, can you be attracted to someone else? No, you can't. If your heart is with someone else, that's why if you, once your heart is taken, no matter how nice or beautiful someone else is looking, you can't be attracted to that person because your heart is, your heart is thick, your heart is full. So love is also a protection from you being taken away to other things. When we, when we fill our hearts with the love of Christ, when we, when we dwell on that love, other things will not look attractive to us anymore. You won't be attracted to other things. You won't be attracted to the world. You wouldn't be attracted to your ambitions because your heart is already full. Your heart is already taken. There is no space. <laughs> there is no more space. That's the truth. So 
this being grounded in his love and allowing it to fill your heart and enjoying it, delighting in him, abiding in him, just delighting in it, enjoying God is very key for us as believers. So ask, ask your neighbor, are you enjoying God? We must enjoy Him. We must have fun with God. We must love being believers. It must be, it must be the greatest joy that we have above every other thing we do on earth here today. That is the only way we would last the distance. That's the way we'll be most effective. Amen? Amen. Lastly, uh, we're already out of time, so I'm going to wrap up with this scripture. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. It says, For this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might in his spirit in the inner man, that what Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So first thing, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. I want us to pray that prayer. Let's say together that Christ may dwell in my heart. That Christ may dwell in my heart. Through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, after, as Christ dwells in your heart, you will be rooted and grounded in love. You'll be rooted and grounded. The more Christ dwells in your heart, you'll be rooted in love, in the love of the Father, in this love walk that we're talking about, in this relationship of just knowing him for who he is. Being rooted and grounded in love, yes, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. Next verse. To know the love, again, which of Christ, which passes knowledge. So, being rooted and guarded in love, our eyes will be opened that we would know this love. Knowing, knowing him. Now, there's something about dwelling and this relationship. In as much as it is, it is active, which means we must have, want to know him, want to study, want to allow the spirit to walk through us. There is that part of just staying. When you are in a relationship, relationships are built by just staying, just being there. Just be there. <laughs> you don't have to do anything, just be there. In your there's this in my head. You don't spend, you can't um, manage, how do, you, how do you put it? You can't manage time with people 
quality time is not quality time. Quality time is more of time. I've forgotten how to put it, but it has to do with with relationships. What makes relationship time quality is just time. I'm not, I cannot say I want to be effective with my time with you. So I'm giving you 10 minutes. So in these 10 minutes, we must make it count. <laughs> in building love relationships, it's, you can't build love relationships that way. Love relationships are just time. Finish. Just be there. The more you're there, the better the relationship. It's as, as simple as that. The more you're there, the more time you spend, the better the relationship. You know, I remember those days that um, when phone GSM came up newly when we were in school, that we used to do midnight calls. <laughs> I used to then, you no, know, I don't used to talk to me. I used to wonder, how can someone be talking from all night? My friends would tell me they, be, they are making midnight call. Maybe I'll be in school and then I'll be hearing my friend. They'll be talking, talking all night. I'm wondering, how can someone just be talking all night? Like, I didn't understand it. <laughs> Until. <laughs> so, until, as in, until I, my first love in school then, we started. As in, we just met and then we were talking. We just stay, we sit, sit down, we talk, 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 talk. 4 a.m., we are still talking. Ah, then we try to. So it's just time. It cannot, it might not be talking about anything, anything that makes sense. It can just be say, oh, the wind is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be doing, might not be saying anything meaningful, <laughs> but you're just there. So that is how Christ. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. We must not be about any particular thing. Just let Him dwell. Just be there. Just be there. Give Him time, and we would know Him. It says that we know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, it is in this knowing and this fullness, we will become filled with all the fullness of God. That's when we will now manifest the fullness of God. So, we do not manifest the fullness of God by activity, trying to work it out. We manifest the fullness of God when... Christ dwells fully in us. When he dwells in us and we are filled with him. So you wonder, I was watching a movie um, about apostles and you see, okay, when they wanted to perform miracles, he's just walking and then he sees, or how Christ performed miracles, he just sees the beggar and he says, you are healed in Jesus' name. He's spontaneously Miracles happen by the manifestation. There is no, it just flowed naturally. So that was an expression of the fullness of God, right? Now, that didn't come by working it out. <laughs> that came by just being with Him and being filled with Him. 
So we get full with the fullness of God. When we get filled with the fullness of God, we would manifest Him effortlessly. People will see you and they will see God. That's why I will say, you have seen me, therefore you have seen the Father. That's the same way. When people see you, they should say, I have seen Christ. People see you because we are one with Him. Amen? So I was going to pray this morning. I said, Lord, help me in this love work. I open my heart to dwell in you and you dwell in me. Help me to abide in you as you abide in me. Says, even as we abide, no branch in me will bear fruit except that one that abides in me. The more we abide in him, the more we will bear fruit. The more we abide in him, the more we will bear fruit. Help us to abide. Help me to abide. Help me to abide. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.